Yo, an impromptu show with Michael Royal, H plus 14, Michael Royal, very good friend of mine, came up to visit him in uh, North Wales, near Slangothlin, to do some uh, outdoor activities in the little cottage he lives in. So we recorded this show in his garden, complete with his dogs, sheep, midges, and entertaining conversation. Hope you enjoy it. Michael Royal. I put four cups in here. I measured, I put the water in. Four, four cups, exactly. You get four cups exactly from this. Alright, oh, okay. Well, so, what you're saying is I've been doing it wrong for the past three days? You just can fill it up lower, yeah. Well, just, well, just all the water that was in the kettle. Why, remind me again why, you, why you're a uh, vegetarian? Uh, because for once in my life I'm trying to get in good shape. Uh, so, I thought I'd try and eat clean, try this, see how it goes. And if it works, it works. Um, why do you think? Why do you think vegetarianism would help? Yeah. What What was your diet before? Everything. Um, but mostly, mostly I used to eat a lot of meat, but then because of various different things, I started eating less and less meat. Um, but because I'm living on my own as well, just buying veg it seems to keep longer. Yeah, if that makes sense. And takes less prep for when I'm going out to work or wherever I'm doing. So I'll just throw some fruit and veg in the bag and that's it. I can go. Mostly carrots. But um yeah so just laziness then. Laziness. Yeah, yeah essentially. <laughs> laziness yeah. is cause of vegetarianism. Yes. Yeah. Uh you can prep meat before I like, like before. Yeah yeah I know it's Freezer. um but if I because I'm not always here, if I buy some meat and it's in the fridge and I go away and I'm away for like two, three days I come back and potentially it's gone off. Mm. It's just food wasted. Whereas if I come back and the veg is in the fridge, it hasn't rotted. It's still usable. I just throw that in and make something with it. Yeah. Um, so what I found was if I was buying meat, like whether it be chicken or whatever, I'd have a load of it left at the end of the week or, and I'd just have to f- cook a vast amount of soups and stews and whatever just, just so it didn't go off. Um. Yeah, I just thought, because of, of all the things I'm doing up here, I just thought I'd try and get in better shape. Because I want to get back into climbing a lot more than what I have been doing. And I thought, well, if I start going, veg- if I go vegetarian, then I'll cut out some of the fats and stuff and just see how it goes and see if I get in better shape than I have been before. Mm. Um, because I've only trained once before, and that was, like, trained hard for like, every day, and that was in Iraq in 2005. I think I put on... Like a stone or something like that. I think it was the heaviest I've ever been. How tall, yeah? 5'10". Mm. And I think I was weighing um, 12, 12 and a half stone then. But that was going in the gym every day um, yeah. for three months. Yeah, I've never seen you that. I've, I've never, I can't remember seeing you. I must have seen you that heavy out there. Yeah, that was when I was coming out. Be, I, um, I got accused of being on the gear uh, yeah. at the end of Iraq. Because the guys are coming out with vacantly when you come out. Um they hadn't seen me for three months. Oh, right, yeah. So, like, I think... Uh, well, I a photo of me. But, um, me and Robbo, the medic Robbo. Um, oh, that's that 2005, yeah. Fucking massive. Yeah. Is that the first gym all the time? <clears throat> yeah, the, 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 and the American... The American uh, 
Not the American PX. Because Danish PX had loads of awesome protein. Proteins, and yeah, and yeah. And uh, smashing it. And the thing is, not eating like much crap. Doing a lot of, not hardly any body fat. Yeah. You know, is it like Celtech or something? I think that was one Celtech. Yeah. Celtech, that's what I was on. It was like Screech. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I was on that. Yeah. So I got on that. And that was the first time I'd used any powders or anything like that. And then uh, towards the end of the tour, I rotated both my shoulders out. Because the guy that was spotting me weren't doing his job. Who was it? Keezy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I couldn't use both my arms for weeks. And then after that, I just couldn't really train as much because oh, my shoulders weren't as strong. So I just didn't after that. I mean, I did bits like company fitness and stuff. But yeah. apart from that, I had no interest in doing one of the lucky ones. I didn't have to do anything. Yeah. yeah. Did yeah. you ever try, any, ever try pre-workout? Pre-workout. What's that? So you know you get protein. And oh, protein good. Like, no, 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 no. I've never heard of it. Oh, mate. When uh, when I did my hearing on the on the third tour, and came back and I had a bit of time in in in, in Bastion, I smashed in the gym there. <clears throat> and uh, so someone had some. I was on what was it? I was on Myoplex protein. Myoplex was flipping brilliant. And then um, I had someone had some pre-workout they didn't want. And obviously, I know now why they didn't want it. They, he said on it, so you take a scoop before, like 10 minutes before gym workout, 20 minutes before gym workout, right? And just get it, supposed to kick your, kick your heart rate up. Right. Kick your, just, you know, it's all legal stuff, apparently. Uh, I can't remember what it's called. I can't remember what it's called now. And uh, it said on it, if you're, like, if this is the first time you're using uh, pre-workout, then... I have a quarter of a scoop in the first time you go to the gym. And the second time, the second day, you have half a scoop. And you had to increment it up to a full scoop. Right. So it's like, yeah. 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 straight into a full <laughs> scoop. <laughs> all right. I whacked a scoop of this stuff, mate, into uh, what the hell it was. I, think, yeah, I can't remember what I mixed it with, water or something like that. And then uh, drank it, went to the gym, wait 20 minutes, went, went to the gym. And I got in there. I could feel my heart rate going up already. I was sweating already. Before I even got the, mind you, it was a rack, right? Yeah. It was Afghan, like, it's hot in it. But I was sweating unusually, an unusual amount before I got there. I get in the gym, and at the time, I was just being a complete weight freak. I'd go on the, um, I'd go on the treadmill for five minutes just to get, just get a body yeah. loose. And then I'd go and do, like, an hour and a half of weights. And it wasn't an hour and a half. I was yeah. just smashing it. And uh, I got on the treadmill. Oh, pff, Jesus Christ. Feeling my heart's going mental, yeah. My heart, it doesn't feel good at all. I step off the treadmill and go and do the weights. I walk next door into the weights gym. I just, just felt like shit. And I thought I was fucking dying. And I lay down, I, I ended up laying down on the floor of the gym, just spread eagled on the floor of the gym for half an hour. I got then it went away. I didn't even, I didn't even work out. It was the worst feeling ever. I'm just Talking like, about that, going, ah, yeah, I don't need that. Um, I remember when I was in the Falklands, um, we've been to South Georgia on the frigate because it's the Antarctic Circle. Like everyone's seasickness tablets. So yeah. I don't need them. Didn't take any. Yeah. We all the way South Georgia. Where did you go? Oh, South Georgia. Uh, from the Falklands. South from the yeah. Falklands, yeah, in 2002. Went there. Um, coming back, didn't use any. I didn't know you were there for that. Yeah. Um, day, we relieved A Company. I went down with B Company. Ah, right. Okay, um, yeah. So we were there for like five and a half months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With um, Taft Davis. Yeah. Um, oh. Uh, anyway, J Bad. Yeah. And uh, when I was packing all my kit away at the end of the like tour, I found these sleeping tablets. I don't know, sleeping tablets. Seasickness tablets on it. Couldn't do what they do. Just popped them all. <laughs> so, I think I must have had about eight or ten or something like that. I was like, ah, I took them, take them all. And uh, 
half an hour, I'm still fine, and then bang, it's crashed out. Like a sleeping tablet. Called an overdose, mate. Yeah. <laughs> crashed out on the mat, just and then Taff come and kicked me out like and he's like, Come on, we're going to scoff your driving. And I bounced off the cor- all the walls going down the corridor and drove. I was basically I was theoretically just absolutely blit. It's like yeah. I've been been on yeah. the session all night. I fell asleep in my food in the cookhouse, got back and just went into bed. All because I went, ah, one won't do. I'll just take them all. Yeah. Um, how did we get to that? Oh, the gym. The gym. So you uh, can't. Oh, you... because of me being vegetarian. Oh yeah. Uh, so, what's? You can't run at the minute. No. Can you never run again? I uh, doubt it. Because me, I, it's it's my foot, and it's not my fitness levels. It's my complications with my knee and my foot as a result of the blast. Explain, explain, explain that. Tell me the story. Tell oh, me the story of your, me. Of oh, your okay. cobbled foot. So, uh, we're in Torgai. So, we're attached to e- E-Company under Major French. Imagine I've got a clue what you're talking about. Okay. Af- Af- well, Helmand. Right, yeah, we're in Afghan, in Helmand. Uh, in two I don't have a clue what you're talking about. I, I've only heard the story once, it wasn't here. So, But with the Torgai now, people, people listening are watching. Yeah. Their, like, um, so... The attached to two power, we're a company of three power attached to two power, and we were doing our AO 2010, was, yeah, 2010, 2011. And we were in the, I think we were in the middle, like two power stretched along with basically one route, and three power in the middle. And our objective was Torgo. Anyway, we eventually pushed down into Torgo after doing a couple of little Torgo's a village, right? Yeah, town. Yeah, um, it was like a Taliban stronghold. So our objective was to take that. So after a couple of months of doing ops in different directions, like going north and whatever, we eventually moved down into Torgai with a, it was a joint operation between two para and three para. You were a sniper uh, with them, weren't you? Yes, sniper deck commander. And then um, two para snipers come down as well and patrols. They were on it with us. I was trying to think if there was another platoon. Basically, the same day, we all just moved into... Um, Five checkpoint, five compounds, I think it was before first light on the outskirts of Torgo. Yeah, and uh, within 20 30 minutes of being in there, every everyone got contacted at the same time, which was quite impressive. Yeah, um, uh, Danny, well, because we were all like basically down filling up sandbags to build up the sangers, everyone, everyone was in the middle, and there was a couple of blokes at the top. As soon as we got contacted, um, Danny Canal, he just ran up on the top of the roof. No. No sandbags, no nothing. Just ran up the top of there. And uh, just having to build up the sangha around him as there's incoming. Yeah, coming. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, anyway, we did that. I mean, once that had happened, I think with that first engagement, I think we managed to we kill quite a few of their commanders and they just went like this, down tools and did one. Mm. Then we were able to move in and things got a lot easier after that, essentially. Until like contact wise, because we we were the only one, as far as I'm aware. So we, did, you, did you establish yourselves in those compounds then? Initially, yeah, but then because we we thought we were going to be there for a while, but because that first firefight, we so well it backfired on them when they the Taliban when they contacted us. I think after that, it just became a lot easier for us, small yeah. arms contact wise. Yeah, because uh, as I'm aware of it, we were the only ones getting small arms contacts, or a lot of them anyway. Whereas the rest of the two power were getting IED strikes. Yeah. Um, so we were able to push further into Torgai then and get deeper in. And 
I ended up going to checkpoint eighty one, which was called eighty one because the multiple that there was the mortars were two. Okay. And they were being used as a multiple. Because I was um we had two paramotors supporting us from our main checkpoint. Yeah. I can't remember what it was, was it checker? Um so two paramotors were there, so three paramotors were just out on the ground with us, they were just a patrol multiple. Yeah. And so our checkpoint was called eighty one. Mm-hmm. So in regards to the incident of me, uh one day we had some small arms fire coming over the compound. It wasn't accurate, it was just like sporadic fire, but you heard the crack going over the compound. And uh but it come from the other side of the river and there's a, a line of trees that was follow the far side bank. Mm-hmm. We thought it come from over there, so what we thought the next day we'd go out and put in a snap ambush because it was getting towards dusk then. Um so next day we give oh, so you'd be expecting to withdraw. yeah we thought they might be trying to get closer through the tree line to try and get a better shot at whoever's on sentry because we had a sanger in the middle and then you know, like a big scaffolding tower yeah um, sanger in the middle and then there was a couple more on the corners uh so this was sid pinar's first i think it was his first command patrol as well mm-hmm. and i said the argo point man for him just for ease for him yeah and uh, so, yeah, so we're going out in the afternoon, crossed the, because the bridge that we were on was within sight of the compound, mm-hmm. crossed the bridge at the river, and then there was no real path through the forest. It was quite thick. Um, there was a path. How big, go- how big was the forest then? I couldn't see through it. Um, probably 50. Like a copse, is it? Yeah, 50 metres, 50 yeah. metres. But there's loads of vegetation and stuff in there. Um, so... There wasn't really a... There was a track that followed the riverbed mm-hmm. along. But the route that I took wasn't on a footpath. And it was just picking my way through the trees. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, literally within two metres of the compound, stood on the IED. It was quite surreal, really. Because um, when I did it, being, being a point man as well, um, I stood on it. And as I looked down, like, I heard the, the click, which sounds bizarre because it's all so quick. But it just seemed like everything slowed down mm. there and then. Uh, when as I looked down, it just the ground was rushing up to me, and then before I knew it, I was on my back. My mouth was full of dirt, which was my main concern. Uh, <laughs> so my mouth, my nose, my ears are just, just saturated in dust, and um, yeah, I couldn't see my waist for, or from my waist down. So I thought I'd lost my leg because the dust was that thick. Mm. Um, so yeah, assumed the worst. So I thought I lost my leg, and how far did it throw you? Uh, only, I think I only went up about a foot. Yeah. And then I like so maybe a foot and a half. I fell backwards. It didn't yeah, yeah. throw me, throw me. I think it thrown like a couple of meters. Literally, yeah. I just up and back. And um, yeah, when the dust started clearing, I, my leg was there and it was just shaking uncontrollably. I couldn't stop it. And I, then I thought, like maybe my foot had been taken right off. Leg. Hmm? Right leg, right leg, yeah. And I thought maybe my foot had been taken off because. I was in agony and I couldn't, still couldn't see my foot because of the dust. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, I started looking around and there was a hole. It was about six inches deep. Yeah. With a couple of bits of plastic in it, which I had associated with like a 25 gallon container. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so looking around and then like I got, because I was, um, Danny Cannell was on leave then. So I was the only sniper in that compound. So I had a sniper rifle on my back and a shotgun for going through the trees. Uh, the 338 I had and 
when I looked behind me, there was mud caked all up the one side and the other side of this three three eight because it. So, oh, was it, and was it, was it not the mud sleeved? from the ground? It... No, no, it's just in yeah. ready to use. And um, so yeah, so I had mud caked up the side of it, and what I realised is that, um, well, what I thought had happened was only the debt had gone off the detonator. And that's why my leg was still attached. And I, because I saw this plastic, I thought if it's 25 gallons, that's yeah. got to be a hell of a lot of explosive. If that had gone off, we'd be dead. Yeah. So I was like, right, okay. Uh, didn't want to stay there. The debt wouldn't blow you up your feet, would it? No, I, 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 no but I, oh, I didn't know. The so, time, yeah, or time, partial yeah. debt or whatever. Yeah. But as far as I was aware, it wasn't a full explosion. And uh, Sid then come up behind me. And he's, I said, because he... I sort somehow turned and was facing, or well, my feet were facing the way that I come. And I said, "Is my foot okay?" And he went, "Yeah, everything's fine." I went, "Right, okay." And I went, "Right, go back down," because where I was, I was on higher ground as well. And I obviously you're not supposed to move if there's if there's been a strike, IED strike. You're not supposed to move in case of a secondary. But in my mind, there's this. It's mines, isn't it? It's mi- yeah, yeah, mines yeah. and stuff. But yeah. they do it with IEDs as well. They'll yeah. plant one yeah. and then plant a second one for someone coming and giving first aid or extraction. And I was like, is this just cooking off here and it's going to go? I'm not waiting here. So I got up and I tried to walk away because I thought, ah, oh, my foot's still attached, it's fine. And uh, yeah, straight away I thought, oh, my uncle's knackered. <laughs> so I was on my hands and knees and I started crawling away and I had a shotgun in my hand and covered in mud and dust and I was just on my hands and knees. just going yeah. through and giving cover? Yeah, well, yeah, there was no contact. That was the other bizarre thing. Huh. There was, so whether that IED was set up the day before, like the the... The small arms fire was a law to get us out to go into it. I don't know, but unless they were using it like um, like we would use a clear or, or a trip trip flare, you know, so it's it's to cover dead ground in the yeah. woods. Yeah, but, yeah. But anyway, so I was like, I ain't staying here. So I was on my hands and knees, started crawling down. As soon as I got down to the low ground, then I got extracted. But rather than them coming up to me, it, I took I took the decision into my own hands that I was going to move. Yeah. Rather than someone else coming up to me, yeah, they're yeah, potentially yeah. getting injured. Yeah. So yeah, I moved down into oh, wow. the yeah, I moved down into the stream bed then. And then I got extracted. I think Sid was charging me five pounds a minute or something like that. He basically piggybacked me back to the the compound. <laughs> I told you to charge me. Yeah. I still haven't paid him. Um how long how many minutes did it take? A lot. I'll bear in mind foot like body armor helmet. And I, they left me day sacking that behind, but um, yeah, he, uh, and then we got back, and then I got extracted. Wow. I don't know if that was the worst actually. So yeah, I eventually got down into the stream beds. Medic was there, took me boot off, and went, "Yeah, your your ankle's fucked." I was like, "Right, brilliant." And uh, so that was it. Couldn't get my boot back on because as soon as my boot come off, it just swelled up. Yeah. So then I got extracted to the main checkpoint. Can't remember what it was, but oh uh, yeah, as I stood on the IED. Uh, four o'clock uh patrol minimize got called yeah and that's, the, that's, that's where, where no one can that's go where no by. aircraft can go out and everyone every patrol that's out on the ground gets called in ah because no aircraft can go out and no patrols can yeah. Go out. Oh, yeah. yeah so what happened is one of the i can't they, remember they don't only call, oh, call it sorry for they don't, don't only call it up minimize for no for, op minimum op minimize is uh in result of an injury that's common isn't it patrol minimize is <sighs> bringing in all the patrols I've never experienced patrol in my well, unless, call I, it it, else. unless it was a new thing, because the another balloon, yeah, that uh, used to have the camera below it. PGSS. Don't. PGSS. Don't, don't know. Go on. 
the the tether had snapped on one of them in the AO, and it was there was a balloon floating around the area somewhere, so they couldn't put send out an aircraft in case one flew into the balloon. <laughs> Those things are comical. So, um, yeah, that happened at four o'clock. So the balloon went at four. Patrol minimizer got called. I should have an idea at four. Oh God! Is he critical? No, broken ankle. Right, okay, stay there. So, <laughs> so I got back to the checkpoint, and they uh, where the med, med center was, and they went. Um, how much pain are you in? I went, eh, it's pretty bad. They went, well, if we give you morphine, they might not be able to do anything if they need to back at the hospital. And I went, well, just give me something else. And I think I was on paracetamol <laughs> or a stronger paracetamol for what, a while. What did the medics, um, what was the medics assessment? Couldn't, like, my me, me foot was that big. Couldn't do anything. Oh, swollen. Yeah, it's just massive. Do you have any lacerations in it? No, nothing. No, just but like. Again, like, um, so the, the way the ground was, um, I think it was just purely like, it was pretty much just how there was no stones or anything in there no shrapnel or anything but thinking about it since i think because it had been raining it's winter as well yeah because it's been raining so much i think with the mud on the sniper rifle and how dry it was on the top i think what happened is the sun had baked the top bit and it sets like concrete it's in the walls out there they set like concrete and i think that's what happened basically it rained so much the top layer had gone hard and when the explosion went off when the blast went off it went down and out instead of up because oh, okay. when the engineers went there, they thought the guy had died. Apparently, this is this on this is like third hand information or fourth. They or thought fifth. you had died. Yeah the, yeah, the engineers that went to assess it, they said that um, they thought they assumed that I died or at least lost my legs. Because of the way the blast was. Yeah, because of how big it was. They said it was six kilos. Jesus Christ! Have you spoken to anyone from EOD? No, this is all just. We were speaking to some EOD mate, like a bomb disposal guy, and they'll they'll tell, they'll be able to cut, they'll be able to cut, like give you an accurate. This is what we reckon. What, go through the records? Yeah. No, actually, speak to the idea guy and explain it to him. You know, with their expertise, mate, they'll, you'll, you'll be able to say, oh, yeah, you're, you're about bang on there, cheesy. Or, no, this is probably what happened, actually. Yeah. I only just realised the other day, actually. I heard it was leg- a legacy mining. I heard it was uh, a legacy There's mine. a lot of stuff like some people were saying I stepped outside the safe lane. It wasn't a safe lane because mm. I wasn't. I put the top shit in there. Yeah. I heard you. I heard you. I heard you were crossing the track, I got told. Right, like, this is not enough. I heard you were crossing the track. But every time you guys would go out and you patrol from this spot regularly, this is Chinese, this is how bad fucking Chinese whistles are. It was a, you patrol from the patrol base regularly. Um and then but when you went out you'd all you being I think you you being the commander, you would all <clears throat> pick a different spot across the track, you'd never cross in the same place twice and you'd and you'd cross in a completely random spot and cheese it was just cheesy as luck. Cheesy being cheesy, got blown up. <laughs> so you're doing good drills you're blowing yeah. up bad luck mate. Um, no it was literally just sick. I, to be honest with you that bridge I don't think we used much at all if we were growing across um, what bridge? the bridge was right outside the compound oh, right. we didn't use that much to be honest with you um, yeah. we were normally pushing down south because we just followed the river down because all the compounds that we were sort of interested in were on the right hand side occasionally you go south of the river yeah, and there's just massive vast expanse of land and there, there weren't a lot there. As it happens, I think after that, they after that incident with me, they started pushing south a lot more. And I think it was four weeks after that is when Sid, Sid stood on his IED. Sid Pino. What did he lose? Two arms. Uh, right, not yeah. two, two arms. Oh, right, two, yeah. two legs. That's right. Two yeah. legs, a couple of tips of fingers. Um, I think I came back on the flight with him. Massive skin graft and that. Um, Where is he now? Newcastle, I think. He has a pilot's license. Is he? Yeah. Um, Jay Davis took the him. Pilot to be one armed. <laughs> Jay Davis took him up in his, pl- his plane. He's got a small. Is it, I don't know if it's a micro light, but it's a light aircraft. Uh, so, Jay not got a Cessna. Maybe yeah. I don't. I, yeah. I don't know. Um, I but don't know I made that up. He 
he took Sid up, and I think Sid just got the bug, and Sid's now got his pilot's license, is what I've heard through awesome. um, word of mouth, which is great. Last I spoke to him, he was going into property, like not not a state agent, but something to do with property, yeah. whether it's development or something, I don't know. But um, when, <laughs> because I was going to hospital, I think that was a month after, but he was still in like a coma and induced coma and stuff. Um, so well, after, he was, yeah, yeah. So I was at home in the mid in the Midlands and go on in Kidderminster, and he was in QE Hospital, which is where the military wing was. So I was going yeah. back and to and from for my physio appointments and stuff like that. And um, when Sid was there, my mom was like making him cakes and stuff. But I ordered him a t-shirt. So the, when I when I went in the first time to see him, I took him this t-shirt, and it was a Black Knight from the Monty Python. Yeah, <laughs> no arms, no legs. I give it to him, and he went. He opened it up. He's like, "What's this?" Is like, it's a Monty Python film. You've never seen it, so it kind of like wasted. African wasted joke. Yeah. And I sent him the link. I don't, still don't think he's watched it. And that was like seven years ago. Um, Have you seen him since? Yeah, a couple of times on camp. But since I've left and come up here, uh, it's just gotten harder and harder. To... On camp when he was still in. Yeah. Well, I think he was in um, Paddy Colwell's old house, the, the first oh, okay. house that he was in, because that was already adapted. <coughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, the last time I've seen him, he was cutting around in his car, he's driving. And he basically just had his wheelchair in the back of the van and just rolled out and got in there. He didn't decide to go back to South Africa then? No, no he, he met... I love this story. Um, we, in 81, we were basically just mocking him for practically being a virgin because it had been that long since he got laid. That's a South African thing, though, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, but... but um, for the men, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, yeah, so he stood on this IED. 12 kilos, that was, by, by the way. So, so what oh, I've heard. Okay, massive. And uh, look, lucky to be alive. And he... So he lost both his legs. He went to a wheelchair basketball game, like, to watch. Met a girl there. Yeah. Got talking, started dating. They're now married, which is great. So, awesome. But, um, so he had to get blown up to get laid. Between <laughs> between between the two of them, they got one good leg. <laughs> Oh, she, she's got, yeah, she's an amputee. Yeah. <laughs> so oh, mega, mate. Oh, I, I love it. I, I think it's brilliant. Not she, like, he had to get blown. No, but yeah. he had to get blown up to get laid. Yeah. Um, which that's, I think is great. That's, that's a bit ribbing for life, that is. Yeah. So, um, you went back to, so, um, oh, yeah. So I was back at the checkpoint. I was waiting there. It was getting cold and everyone was coming in, looking at me in the med tent, laughing at me. Uh, and then, uh, eventually got extracted. And what, oh, it was a uh, black hawk that came out and got me. And when they were putting me on the air black hawk, they started putting a, an IV in me. I went, don't need it. And he went, no, we've got to. And he was, they, they uh, put ventanol in me on. Right, yeah. And I was, I was, so I was off my head. And um, got back to the hospital. They assessed me, put me in for a, an X-ray. And they went, yeah, you've shattered your heel bone. I was like, right, okay. So they give me a boot. And was it a boot? No, there wasn't a cast. So yeah, they give me a boot. Mm-hmm. No, like a Velcro boot. Like, yeah. Put it on your boot, strap it up. And that's it. You're good to go. Give me that. I went, right, good to go. They put me in the bed. And I was lying there, I was off my head on morphine, off fentanyl. Just an like, x-ray, no, like, soft tissue scan, nothing like that. No. Um, there. Bastion. And, yeah, this yeah. is Bastion. And then, because, well, well, I know... I suppose I know, they would have got a facility there, have they? No, well, no, they would have. Just mm. the soft tissue scan, but I had... My leg was swelled up from my foot to my knee. That was all the swelling. And I think because my knee was, like, half-cocked or whatever when I was walking, that's why it hadn't gone up to my hip. Yeah. Um... So that had swelled up. They x-rayed it and said, yeah, you've shattered your heel bone. Um, and they went, right. So I was just getting extracted the next day, basically. 
because I was lying there in bed off my head. I was like, I can't sleep. I'm going to go on the internet to the nurse. She went, yeah, okay. So I went on there on Facebook. Guess who just got blown up? Blah, blah, blah. Some sort of statement. <laughs> Told a load of other people. And then walked off. Just didn't, didn't like, clarify anything because I was... And I was like, yeah, the next day I went on there and I was like, Who's, who was it? Who was it? And like, oh, yeah, uh, it was me. <laughs> oh, I, I, I rang my mum as well because in the hospital. And I went, yeah, just to let you know, I tripped over, broke my foot, and I'm coming back. And then, because Chris got a call in in the checkpoint as well. Oh, did he? And Who was he with? Oh, he's at Codger, you. Wasn't he? No, you! You were there. I thought it was you that told him. Anyway, someone someone told Chris, and went, oh, yeah, your brother's uh, stood on an IED. And he's like, can I go see him? And he went, no, because it it was him and Phil Briggs, wasn't it? Uh, and he was at Quadrat, so he was needed. Oh, yeah. yeah. And uh, they were like, nah, cheers. And... Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, so he, he basically got told, but he then phoned home to my parents and said, yeah, just so you know, Mike's tripped over, he's coming back. Luckily, his story tied in with my story, because <laughs> I didn't want to tell me mum I stood on ID, even though I was still there, she yeah, yeah. like, didn't want to flap him. Um, but me, he, my brother said, oh, can you put me on to my dad? And he was like, yeah, right. And he put him on, and he said, so just so you know, Mike stood on ID, and he went, all right, so he tripped then, did he? And Chris was like, no, no, he stood on ID, all right, okay, so he's tripped, he's on his way back, because my mum was still there listening. Oh, right. Yeah, um, Yeah, that was that, so I went back, I was five days in the QE, yeah. um, and I basically just wanted me to stay there until the swelling went down. Is it all Is it, is it all civvy um, medical staff, staff there, and then like one... No, there's, there's, like, there's military liaisons for the for the family and stuff. So as the family arrive, I believe there's a sergeant major there on the posting. He sorts the family. Exclusively military wing. No, there are a lot of old people there, and sometimes look. I was quite fortunate. I had a room to myself. I think Sid was in the room with four other people. Um, but like all when I was in going and seeing Sid, it was like there's this woman just this old woman just shouting nurse constantly every day. I went in nurse nurse, but it was constant. I was like. Oh, I'd, I'd just strangle them. <laughs> what were your four days in there doing then? Uh, literally, just they were. They were I, I entered some feeding program thing. They wanted to feed me certain stuff to see how my body would react. And I had to answer a survey, but I get extra money for it. I was like, yeah, right, I'll do that. <laughs> Different food to hospital food. Not that hospital food yeah, was bad, or just it's yeah. a variety. And I was like, yeah, I'll do that. Yeah. Tick all these boxes. Um, but it was the room I had was great. It was huge. Um, ensuite shower, toilet. Yeah. And that, and um, I. Literally, I was just waiting there. They wanted me to wait until the swelling started going down because my leg was so big. Yeah. I had to have this um, sports compact thing, like a massager on me. Yeah. So, like a boot, and you put it on, and it pumps cold water around. And as it goes around, it massages your leg, and it uh. sort of encourages the reduction of swelling. And yeah. So I was doing that, meds and stuff. And yeah, after five days, once the swelling started going down, they said, "Right, you can go." And I went to my well, current girlfriend's house then in Chelmsford. So I was there. It was a one-story building. Your then current girl. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so oh, I, a, I, went, I went there with you once. I, yeah. Probably, I yeah. 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 Well, yeah. I've only had one girlfriend in Chelsea. Uh, so yeah, I was there for five days. I was discharged and I stayed at her place for a bit because it was everything was on one level. Didn't have to go up any stairs. How, how long was left of the tour? Um, just under a month, I think it was. Oh, all right. So not long before the guys. Oh, I stood on it in no, I stood on it in February, oh, right. and they come back in when March, April, March, April, yeah. So two months because Sid stood on it, and four weeks after me, I was going back. That was I was April, getting, May, I think, came back. I was getting picked up at um, Chelmsford by the welfare to get taken to um, QE, 
And as I was getting picked up, they went, we're only telling you because you were in the checkpoint with him. Sid's been hit. I was like, fucking hell. So I got back. I was speaking to them there, and he was on his way back. But he was in a coma. There's enough, like, mm-hmm. I would have I seen him. Even if he was awake, he wouldn't have remembered. But it's subsequently, and as I was going back then, started seeing him. But, um, yeah. Uh, so I got a few visitors while I was um, in Kiwi. Kiwi Berry was probably the most unexpected one. How was he back? I I think it was an R and R. Oh, oh late, late R and R. Maybe, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, he was an R and R. Yeah, he he walked in on me in a certain situation. <laughs> uh, he he told me brother actually. He was talking to my brother about it. I didn't think anyone knew. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, talking about R and R. My R and R was actually at Christmas. And I got back in three days. Was it two? No, two days after was it I got the situation back. with a nurse. No, my ex. <laughs> um, so when I was on R and R, come back. I did the Christmas stint. We always did. Um, we <laughs> digress a bit, but anyway, we did R and R. Come back two days later. That's when Conrad and um, Lewis Hendry got hit. Yeah. And so we got flown back. Anyone that knew him, we were allowed to leave the checkpoints. So or literally, I landed in really? Bash. As oh, was, to come at, back to Bastion. To go back to Bastion for the repatriation. So as wasn't that hot at the time. Um, so I literally landed in Bastion, got flown out to the checkpoint, got into 81, went out on a patrol, come back in. They went, this has happened. You're allowed to go back to anyone who knows him because we were D company. They mm. extended it because it was for Lewis Hendry mainly. I didn't know Conrad. Mm. Um, they went, anyone who wants to go back for repatriation can. So we went back um, and then we did the repatriation. I think that's when I bumped into Phil Briggs for the first time on the tour then. I think he was back for the same reason. Uh, was it my brother? I think I might have bumped into my brother then. For some reason, the two of them might have been. I think they had actually escorted a prisoner back, and that's why they were in Bastion. That's the only reason. Mm. Um, yeah, so I did the repatriation. I went back out on tour, and then two weeks later, that's when I got hit around then. Mm. Two, two weeks? Yeah, something like that. I don't know. Time's gone. But, uh, oh yeah, when we were going out for R&R for Christmas, um, we landed in Romania for a refuel. And as we landed, a hydraulic pipe burst. And they were like, yeah, you're going to have to be wait here while, 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 the, while the repairs are done. And Dave Rea turns around to me and says, right, if we're stuck here, who's coming to Transylvania? I was like, yeah, I'm coming. <laughs> so basically, we, we had nothing. We only had uniform. And um, he was like, yeah, fuck it, just go buy, buy some clothes and just go and yeah. do one for two weeks. Uh, as it turns out, we just ended up in the hotel all night. I woke up in the morning, I was soaked. I was like, how, the, how am I this wet? Yeah. And I was racking my brain all the way through. And we were in a bar in the bottom of the hotel, pre-see Dave Rear and that. Uh, and I got to the end of the, the flight. I woke up at Bryce and you pissed on me last night. And he's like, they, just, they knew what it was. I was asking, I, was, I didn't know uh, what had happened. And I was, I was like, yeah. And they're just pre-see, just yeah. laughing. Yeah, I was mortal, basically. I think I just passed out. Yeah. And, and they pissed on you. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that was. I mean, did you wash your kit before you got on the plane? I was. I, no, I just got, didn't have time. I, was, I fell asleep in my kit. Just oh, got up, grabbed my stuff, and went. I didn't know what it was. I thought it was oh, just beer. And uh, I was on the plane. I got back. It dried off. But um, I was, yes, <laughs> I was on the plane. Got back to Bryce. Were you going to try with military or commercial flight? Military. Military. I was on the plane. Oh. Got back to Bryce, and I was like, "Yeah," and I, it just twigged. Then I was like, oh, "All right, that's what it was." Good stinking. times. Stinking. Yeah. So the um, so the QE they didn't 
didn't see anything else wrong apart from your fractured hip. Oh, yeah. No, no they did. They did an MRI, MRI scan. Yeah. Oh, no, they, they didn't. Um, the, the the problems I got now were sort of found out later on. Like, nerve, I've got nerve damage and my foot swells up if I do too much. And mm. it, it, there's, a, there's an ache in it every day. Mm -hmm. Some days it's worse than others. Some days I can't walk at all. Like, I'll get up out of bed and I know that I'm not going to be able to do much that day. So I'll just get up, start the fire, depending on when it is, start the fire, just sit down, chill out, read a book. Um, other days I'm fine and uh, just fluctuates nothing seems to set it up driving sets it off but I mean if I go out and walk the dogs for a, a long distance the aches in your heel yeah yeah. it's, it's all across the sole of my foot really and the, the heel bone love it forever aren't you yeah um, so some days I wake up I'm fine other mm. days before I even get out of bed I can feel it mm. and as soon as I put my foot on the floor I'm like yeah I'm not doing anything today and I just Get a book, chill out, have a brew, just sit and read or do me knitting now. Mm. That's my new hobby. Uh, yeah, so just take it every day as it comes, really, like the weather. So I moved to North Wales, it's kind of like um, just I try I try and predict the weather and it just doesn't work. Yeah. So I just roll with it. Oh, today, I, I, the rain's woke up this afternoon, but I was expecting Yeah, but like morning. sometimes when I'm going out into Snowdonia, I'm like, all right, check the weather, clear skies, get out there, and it's a thunderstorm. Or something, yeah. and it's just like right, okay, this is unexpected, yeah. and I just, I'll just take everything now for every eventuality. Yeah. You say you had to feel a ligament in your knee. I've so one's a snowboarding incident, and the other one's. Ah, um, oh, you got problems in both. Yeah, so I got a detached ACL in my left, and I damaged my medial meniscus cartilage, and that's it. So I've had. How did you manage to do that? Doing some trick? No, no, some little kid cut me up on the slopes as I stopped. The, the board hit a pile of snow and it just jolted forwards and popped. Oh. Still managed to board down because I was at the top of a mountain like on a yeah. black run. And I still managed to get down to the bottom. And then for the rest of the trip and the army skiing team with free power, <laughs> I, was, I, was I was in the hotel. Um, so that was my, my skiing or snowboarding cut short. Uh, but then the, the next one was a year pretty much to the day after yeah, uh, the IED strike because I was on crutches for six months. We got a sheep. We got a sheep. But for anyone who's going to be listening, who is listening to this and not watching it, we're in uh, in Cheney's garden in uh, North Wales. And sheep cutting about. Excuse me, we're recording. <laughs> Come on, carry on. Um, yeah, and the next one was like because I've been on crutches for six months, no non-weight bearing. Yeah. Once I started walking and doing physio and like doing my program. To get back to full fitness because the assessment was made just because I, <laughs> yeah, go on. only broke my heel bone, that I would get back to full fitness and crack on. Yeah, because uh, that winter I was looking to do selection before oh, yeah. I got injured. And that's what I wanted to do. So I was like, right, two years time I can go for that again. Yeah, or go for that. And uh, yeah, so I started complaining about knee pain. Apparently that was normal. <clears throat> so carry on going, going, going. Six months later, my knee pops. So I'm like in the store because I've been downgraded. I'm in the stores mm. and I'm walking across in some water and I slip on the water and my knee just sort of twists mm. out of place. Go and have a scan. Torn ACL ligament, medial meniscus damage. So I've done the same in both knees. This one's that badly torn, it doesn't do anything. What do you mean? Like it's loose. Right. So it's not doing its job. Oh, the ligament doesn't do that. Yeah. yeah. But I think, I don't So I'd add keel surgery on that. But then come the time they were saying, right, we can do reconstructive surgery on your knee, on this one. And then they said there's that one as well. 
with the recovery time, I wouldn't have been able to work, and I think I was getting close. I was close to getting out then as well. Yeah. And I was like, if I do this, I can't earn any money. If I can't earn any money, I can't do anything. So, but I did this knee snowboarding in 2007. It was then 2010, 11. Yeah. And I was cutting around in Afghan with it, doing all the weights, still ten mile, uh, still doing 10 milers and that. And it was fine because I trained it and conditioned it. I did my physio course and I was doing all my little exercises and that. It was mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. I thought, if that's all right, I can carry on doing the same with this. So I carried on training, but then as it happened, that I couldn't progress from walking to running. Yeah. So I think the impact stuff and a combination of different things, like when, when my foot's swelling, if I was doing too much, my foot starts swelling. I just couldn't get back. It wasn't going to happen. Mm. I wasn't going to get back to full fitness and then start going down the discharge route then. Mm-hmm. And now I'm here. Mm. Um, so I got out. I did tree, like, tree surgery or an arborist course for six weeks that, down yeah, in South that. Wales. Yeah. Brilliant. Loved it. I was in my element. And that's, Whereabouts in South Wales is that? Um, in Carmarthenshire. Yeah. Um, Slangadog. 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 There's um, been past, it's yeah, like yeah. a level cross in there, and uh, it's, it's just it's near the Black Mountains, but then the Black Mountains is quite big, and there's yeah, loads yeah. of stuff around it. Probably about forty minutes away from Carmarthen. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, fair um, distance from Carmarthen. Yeah. Yeah. Right, okay. Yeah. Um. So I was down there for six weeks. Great, loved it. Uh, did that. Where did you stay when you were down there? They got a they got a bunkhouse. So they do a six week course. Accommodations provided. Six all the... weeks tree surgery. Yeah. Jesus Christ, it's massive. I don't think it'd be that long. No, we get all your courses through there pretty much, apart and from rigging and all that as well. Rope. You get your climbing, first aider, fell in large trees, medium trees, um, or small to large. Um, you got aerial rescue, chipper course, mup course, uh, elevator platform. Yeah. yeah. Uh, or cut because not only just using it but cutting in an elevator platform as well because oh. uh, obviously going up the platform going up the platform tree. so if you've got like really bad access or the tree's dead for instance you would use a mute to get up to the tree to cut it down safely yeah. because you might not be able to just fell it from the ground mm-hmm. so basically just cut, do a cut at the ground and watch the tree fall over mm-hmm. might be unsafe so you go up in a mute and just cut it and it will just fall straight down Yeah. so I did that that was great loved the job because with my well the way I am I love being outside and that seemed like the job for me and because i wanted had to when they said right you're being discharged i was like this is not anything i've ever thought about what am i going to do yeah like being outside like the mountains i like so i was like i could be a tree surgeon there's free firewood (laughs) so i was like were you living at the time uh i was still in colchester yeah but then i moved into my parents house in Kidderminster. Yeah, but yeah. I decided North Wales was a place I wanted to go to. Right. So you're so, thinking. So I had the money, fire. but rather than getting out and buying a house straight away, I went into their house and bided my time until I found a place that I wanted. Mm-hmm. So I was just looking and looking, and I was looking for a detached house, ideally, one to fix up, one that I could buy cash with what I had. Yeah. So I wouldn't have a mortgage and just basically to offset my living, living costs later on. Yeah. Which, like now, it's minimal. Um, so yeah, I was just working. I did. I think I did that for about eight months in Birmingham. Then the contract changed, and it was. I did the tree surgery in Birmingham. Yeah, I did tree yeah. surgery in Birmingham for a company there that like did it had a local con- local council contract. Yeah, so I was working in parks, cemeteries, council houses, that sort of stuff, and just doing either reductions or felling, depending yeah. on what the tree needed. Um, so doing that for a bit, loved it. Uh, that is a workout. 
Yeah, I got massive. I got so strong then doing that. And I wasn't even on protein or anything. I just pasta salad, like mackerel pasta salad all day. Um, and then I'd have like breakfast because I started at six or four. Mm-hmm. So I'd have porridge in the morning or whatever, get to work, have a snack, and then have me pasta and then I'd go home and have another meal. But then because I was in Birmingham as well, I was climbing three times a week. So I was going out, I was shifting loads of wood. I had a knee brace on. I actually have knee braces on because of my knees <coughs> um, with all the lifting. Um, so shifting loads of wood and then there's all the climbing and everything else is doing. I was really, I was put on quite a climbing lot of weight. Climbing trees, you mean? Climbing trees and yeah. walls because there's a climbing centre in Birmingham I used to go to. Oh. So it's after work, I'll finish work at four, straight to the climbing centre because it's 15 minutes down the road. Whereabouts is it? Uh, near Aston University. It's called the Red- West. Of West Birmingham. Uh, sort of northwest, uh, northeast Birmingham. Okay-ish. There's a couple more have popped up now. So I'll go in there and I was climbing Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Because that's when I, I thought, if I'm driving to Birmingham, I might as well climb after. Yeah. And then I was, sometimes I was that knackered, I was falling asleep in the bouldering room. Was, and then I'd drive back home, get in, eat, go to bed, and then up again at five or half four to go to work. And, yeah. Um, so that was that for a bit. Uh, the contract changed and basically it was costing me to drive into Birmingham to go to work because it went on to price work, oh, which God. every tree's got a price on it. Yeah. And so some jobs you'll get, you make quite a bit of money, but then the next day I might make tenner. So then the money that I made, the profit that I made, I might make 150 quid the one day was offset and covered my next day that I didn't do so well on. And it just, it wasn't worth me doing it. And so I just sacked it in. And I went looking for another job and I got a local job in Kidderminster working for a timber yard because I wanted to sort my mum's garden out. So get discount on wood. <laughs> and then it was while I was there, it just wasn't a good job. Like we, we went, it went great. But because they gave me this specific job and I was just to do that, um, I did. So I would try and help out where I could. I was like, so if there's a lorry coming in needed unloaded with timber, and I would go around and go, can I help you? Because I had a, a forklift or side load of forklift truck. They went, no, you just do your job and we'll do ours. I was like, right. So I go around to the back and I was treating all the wood, pressure treating the wood. So the wood would go into the tank. All the tanner lift, which is the green, all the brown stuff, would get pumped into the wood to protect it from fungus and insects and stuff like that. How do they pump it in? There's a big, like, 44-foot tank on a rail. Push it in, close the doors, and then all the water from the vat underneath just gets pumped in and then they just just loads of of pressure gets put, put into it. So the pressure put forces the the liquid into the wood so i was doing that but because i had i could organize i organized it so well i was literally putting it in and then once it was in it was running i just had an hour to kill so sometimes i'll just be sat there reading the book i was reading the um the aragon books at the time aragon. it's like a lot of people say it's a rip-off of lord of the rings i don't think it is but it's like um dragon riders this fantasy oh, yeah. thing i was reading them and i got massively into them like three mm. books and uh yeah i read 100 pages of of this book while I was at work one day. <laughs> while I was at work, um, because they had no wood coming in to get treated, I was like, right, I'll sit here. And they went, what are you doing? I was like, I'm reading, because I'm not allowed to do anything else, so I'm going to sit here and do this. Just being yeah, a pain yeah. in the ass. Cheesy being cheesy. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was easy, because I had everything organised that I needed to be. And then I bought this house, this cottage, and uh, got to a certain point, I was like, eh, don't need to be here anymore. So just handed me noticing. And because I was coming... So I bought the cottage, I had it for from the keys from November. And then I think I was at that timber yard then for another six months. Mm-hmm. So I was doing that. So I was alternating weekends. I had a girlfriend in Castleford. 
cottage in North Wales and I was living in Kidderminster. So I'd work in Kidderminster. One weekend I'd go to the cottage, clear up the garden, do whatever there. Next weekend I go to cottage. Yeah. yeah. Next weekend I go to Castleford and just keep rotating around all that. And got to the point I was like, oh, I can't keep doing this. And I wanted to move out with my parents, so I just packed up the bags, moved here, and I didn't work for eight weeks. Okay. Because uh, I had enough money. I wasn't using my savings or anything, but I just didn't need, because there was my pension coming in from being yeah. discharged. I was like, I don't even need to work. So I thought, I'll get a job on the weekends Yeah. doing for a local haulage company. So I started working weekends, because in my mind, I'd have the weeks off. I could do what I wanted, mm. and then there'd be less people around. So I started doing that. And I was only working, to begin with, like four, two to four days, sometimes mm-hmm. six uh, in a month. Mm-hmm. But it was it was enough money coming in, but it wasn't, I was like, I wouldn't say existing. I couldn't, wouldn't, couldn't go and do loads of stuff. Couldn't afford a haircut. Who needs a haircut? <laughs> uh, I never I never used to pay for a haircut anyway when I was in the army. I bought some clippers. I refused, to, I used to, pay, refused to pay for a haircut. So I, I bought clippers for 20 quid. And when I got told to cut my hair, I just shaved my head. And then they grow out again. Um, <laughs> yeah, so you're not working two to four, six days. A, yeah, yeah. So I, I basically it was then I realised I only needed to work part time. I was like, I don't, I don't need a full time job. I went, if I work Monday to Friday, I've only got the weekends to do the things that I want to do, which yeah. is why I moved to North Wales. So the mountain biking, climbing, kayaking, and all the rest of it. I was like, if I work weekends, I've got five days off. Where there's no one around, no yeah. tourists, nothing. I can go do going going into town and doing your shopping in the day. I realised that this is my life. There was loads of pensioners stood around on the corners talking to each other, and I went, "This is me now. I'm a pensioner." <laughs> <laughs> and I'd go do me bits, get get some bits of whatever, and then I'll go away. And but I had, at the time I had a, an unlimited Cineworld card. Yeah, and the nearest ones up to Chester. What do you mean unlimited Cineworld card? So you pay for a card, it's like £17 a month, and you oh, can I go and watch any, as many films as you want in a, in a day, yeah. in a month. But because it's 40 minutes away and I had the dogs, I was like, I was like right, I've got to... So I'd make, I'd make one trip worth it. So I got there, and I think the most I watched in one day... I oh know this was before I got the first dog. The most I watched in one day was four films. Because <laughs> I'd, I'd walk out, I'd walk in, watch a film, walk straight back and go, right, what's on? Right, I'll go watch that one. Straight back in. And someone would go, what did you watch today? I'm like, don't know watch like three films that i can't remember they're all good <laughs> um but yeah that's so oh, it was just a massive faff to get up there like because I, I wanted to get me money's worth basically like oh, uh, i wanted to get me money's worth basically and um i was just like oh, i can't be bothered with this anymore I'll do something else mm. but yeah this, this the cinema was one thing um but yeah i went in to watch dad's army when that got released Film of Dad's Army. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, they filmed Dad's Army come out like two years ago. Did not know. So it. I was like, right, I'm gonna go watch that. So I went to the eleven o'clock showing uh, on a Wednesday. Yeah, walked in. I was the youngest person there by about thirty years. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone else was in there was like a pensionable age. There were couples, and I walked in on one. I'm like, all right, I'll sit and watch this. Sat and watched it, and, I, and then I went away. It's got um Bill Nye in it. Bill Nye plays um, oh, right, yeah. Wilson. Which one's Wilson? Um, Pike's stepdad, if you like. Oh, mate, I can't remember. Sergeant Wilson. What's his catchphrase? He doesn't have one. He's like the the one underneath Captain Manring. Ah, uh, the Welsh one. No, no. Um, quite well spoken. Grey slick back hair. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 So yeah. Bill and I plays him. Oh. Okay, um, okay. I'm trying to think who plays Pike now. I can't remember. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, it's like obviously wartime base, but there's a mission. I think. Um, What's the name? Was it in Darling Buds of May? 
Catherine Zeta-Jones. Who is she in that? Yeah, she's in that. Um, I did know that. I just forgotten it. So you 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 um you don't work on the weekends now though. No, I, I, I work whenever basically. So I've I work to get about eleven and a half grand a year. And um, Willow, 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 you're knocking the microphone. For anyone who's <laughs> listening and not watching, I've got my dogs running around. Yeah. Um. I know. Yeah. So I kind of come to the conclusion that I need to I want to earn about 900 quid a month yeah that will get me by I can pay for all the stuff that I need to pay for yeah and or want to pay for and sort of I've gone from being a single living in full screen to having rock stars wages or what I thought was rock stars wages then to living on a budget so now if I'm looking at something and I want to buy it then if I can afford it then I will yeah but if like I don't need it I'll just let it go I don't have a TV yeah, anymore. Don't that's, pay a TV. That's how should do. <laughs> not I, what happens. Though. I don't have a TV license. I've got nothing on finance. I pay everything outright. So I my have a TV ever? No. My biggest expenses are. I've only got one light bulb TV. I've got three. Yeah, one of them works, <laughs> right? Does any? Oh no, you got downstairs. Got two, two downstairs lights in the kitchen. They all work. Um, none of my upstairs lights works. It's all on lamps. Uh, but yeah, I just. Um, <laughs> I just right. I need. I don't. Not that I need this money. Some days I work. Still work two days, but it will get me through because I got my pension topping me up. Yeah. It just depends on what I got in the bank at the time and what I'm planning on doing. Yeah. So I just. I work. I go right. I'm going to do this. So I try and plan in advance what I'm going to do and just go right. I need this much money. Hey, come here. I was like right. I need this much money. Yeah. And so I'll work X amount of days. Some days. Sometimes I work three weeks in one go. Yeah. And not work for another two months. Yeah. Varying. So yeah. when I, when I was going, this all started. They just call you and say, "Can you work? Yeah, you know, are you available say, yeah. next week?" Or, oh, I'll ring them. I go, "Right, I'm around for two weeks. You got any work for me?" And they're like, "Yeah, we'll get you some work." Because yeah. I've always got work. Yeah. Um, but all this started when I started going to the charity up in Scotland, the horse riding one, Horseback UK. Yeah. So I go up there, and I first went up there on the, my initial course, which I didn't. I only went there to learn to ride horses, because uh, yeah. I heard they were going to do like a cattle drive in America. I was like. I'll have a piece of that, definitely. And um, so I went up there, I wanted to learn a ride, and there's a three-week program they do up there, which is like a recovery step. It's not the it's not the final solution, but it's just a step to recovery. And there's lots of guys, they turn up there. Interesting turn of phrase. Go on. It's not, because no one, when they finish the three-week course, is fixed. They're not sorted, but a lot of them, they, oh, because I've been up there now, I've done the course, and I've done, I've volunteered as a, like a mentor there. <laughs> And you're seeing the change in some of the guys. The confidence in them when they finish the three weeks is massive. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's all with like horse communication, just horsemanship. Uh, well, not just that. There are other stuff as well. Um, the organisers, Jock and Emma, they put a lot of work into it as well. And Jay, who's the ops manager, he's ex-Marine. He, was, he lost the leg and an eye. Mm-hmm. And he does, he does. Well, there's the whole team up there do a hell of a lot. Um, but yeah, the, it works. There's, I've seen people going up there, they wouldn't even say hello, they wouldn't say boo to a goose, and at the end of it they were cracking jokes and whatever, and it's just, I think it's a bit of that familiarity of mm-hmm. being in the army. Some people, they get out, they just um, seclude themselves away from anyone that they knew, or maybe just talk to them through Facebook or whatever, but they mm-hmm. don't get out and do anything, they're just in the house all the time. And there was one guy went there and he got anxiety issues. I haven't been on tour, but the army had affected him. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, he would hardly leave the house if he went if he was going shopping and that he would go like two in the morning when there was no one in Tesco mm-hmm. to avoid people mm-hmm. and he couldn't get a job and that and now now he's got a job um he's the early doors he's got horses so I think he had horses with his girlfriend um so he, he's doing uh, dustbin lorry huh. decent wage early early doors start wait early doors start and then um you'd be done by like 10 in the morning yeah go out sort the horses out and that's him and then he'll be up again in the morning to do the, the round and then that's him yeah. but before he wouldn't even go to tesco if it had a number of people in it now he's got a job and he's doing what he wants to do which is mess around with his horses yeah. and it, it everyone goes there for different things i mean there's some people go there got physical injuries i was on the whiz program so i was able to get there because of my injury whiz program uh wounded in service i think it means what's that mean? it's like wait if you get wounded you get put on a whiz <clears throat> register yeah yeah register not program with register and it's mod based and it's yeah. wounded in service and if you're on that you can then go on these things with the charities and stuff <laughs> so um yeah i was able to get on this thing with horseback uk because they come down to colchester and did a quick talk about it okay um yeah so i was like right i'm going because i then gone from full-time employment because if i wanted to go on them before i'd have had to take holiday because I've gone from full-time employment to work whenever I want to. Yeah. I'm like, right, I'm going to go do this now. So yeah. I've worked like the week before, so I had a bit of money coming in. And then... Um, we have a guest. And then... Friend of yours? No, no. We all Welsh. The dog's a good with sheep, aren't they? Yeah. yeah Morning sheep. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I was going up there, and after doing the course, I felt not that I'd gone through the recovery process, because I hadn't... I don't have PTSD or anything, or any anxiety issues. Mm-hmm. I'm quite full, I think... I'm quite fortunate. I don't know if that was a mindset before I went out there, but instead of it, I'm, yeah, I just got physical injuries. But with my way of life, I think a lot of people up there they felt they need to not they need. I'm not saying you don't need to have a full time job, but they're all got like um, everything's on finance. They've got TV on finance, fridges on finance, and it's a cultural thing though, isn't it? I think it's just the way yeah. you know like everything's on drip feet. Uh, yeah. Drip. yeah, and you're like, well, you don't need it. I mean. Everything that I buy, I will buy outright. I won't have it on finance just because I don't like those. That's just me personally. I've been like that since I was sixteen. I don't just don't like things being that's where it be, mate. On that's where it be over my head. You're but, paying what something costs. Well, arguably, but you're certainly not paying over and above the interest yeah. and what. But know. it's like cars on finance and car insurance. You always end up paying more, and it yeah. all adds up. If you do everything on finance, let's say you had ten things on finance, and you're like, oh, it's only an extra tenner, yeah, a month. It's like a grand a year, mm. or just over a grand. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. You don't need it. And so I, I felt I had something to contribute to the guys there because apart from their injuries and condition, stressing them out, there was a lot of other outside effects like family and personal life and money and work and stuff. So I was like, oh, I'll go back and start volunteering. So I started volunteering up there. I met a few good characters. A horseback. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, last year, I got invited to go and do a horseback archery course. Bear in mind, I hadn't ridden much before. I was up the photo I've seen of yours. Yeah, there's a couple. So uh, there's a whole like media. Day. It's like I was a poster boy. Basically, ITV, Scottish ITV News, come and did a did a thing. Because you look like a fucking Viking. That's right. Yeah, yeah, that's not intentional. It's just. I think I had. I think had I not joined the army, I'd have looked like this anyway. Like with the metal culture, I'm into metal and rock. And how can your brother grew the beard? Is that Did your brother yeah, grow long I, hair? I well? think he, yeah, he, well, not as long as this, but it was longer. <laughs> I think he said he grew a beard because I said he couldn't grow one. 
And so he grew one. He went, there you go. There's a beard and shaved it off. Um, but yeah, it was just like, I always, uh, so in Afghan, going on R&R, I had hair down to my nose mm. and everyone was like, cheesy, you need a haircut. I was like, yep, yeah, okay. And I went, go back. I went, there's no barbers down there. I can't really get my haircut. I went, someone's got some scissors. I went, no one's got any scissors down there. And then just leave and go to the, back to the checkpoint. Come yeah. back up. Haircut. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then um, we're going on R&R &R and Dean Kurgan was the, he'd taken over a start major then. Oh, right. Okay. And he was like, I basically just. Oh, HQ. Yeah. The main checkpoint. Yeah. And I basically was slipping around the back tents and I, I went to the cookhouse late, like when they were taking food away, just so I can get pinged from my hair. Because I wanted to go back on R&R &R and I wanted to have long hair. So I didn't look like I was in the army. Right. Why didn't you want to look like you're in the just army? Like, just chill out. I didn't want people questioning me, like, oh, what's going on? What's it like out there? Oh, and all okay. this stuff. I just wanted to go home, chill out with my girlfriend yeah, yeah. and spend two weeks there. Yeah. And I got back to Bastion. Hair was under my beret and I managed to get away with it. And Dean had phoned up to Bastion to Tiddy. He must have been like a chef's yeah. hat, mate. Dean had phoned back to Bastion. He was like, um, cheesy in his haircut. He's, he's avoided me. And I, because I got on him and I, he called me up. I was, he was like, take off your berry. Took off my berry and it just went, he went, haircut. <laughs> And I was like, okay. So I got Scott McLaughlin to cut my hair. And he cut it. Because my hair was so long on top, he cut it. So it was like a two on the side or whatever. Yeah. And I'm walking around with berry. went, take your berry off. And I was like, I was like, took it off. And it's still as long. And it fell down to my nose. And he had a go at me. He said I looked like someone out of Bross. And I was like, oh, God. I, was like, I just shaved it all off. And I looked like a running knob. So I had a, like, was it grade two or grade two or one all over? So I went yeah. on R&R &R with a shaved head. And I looked like a thug. I was like, it's great. It's like like Samson cut yeah. off all my hair, and, um, but I was always trying to grow a beard as big as I could because, but I could only go four months before someone come to visit. Oh, yeah. three two pair of COs coming down. Got to have a shave. I'm like, shave it off. Yeah. So four weeks, and even on R and R, like, no R and R leave, only had four weeks, five weeks, so I could grow a beard. And mm -hmm. I never really knew what it was, what it was like, or what I looked like, and it was more out of interest than. How how long could I grow it, and what did I look like with a beard? And once I started growing it, uh, when I got injured, so yeah. I had six months. I was like, oh, actually quite like. This. I remember cutting about camp with a beard, yeah. and you still in? Yeah, with a walking stick and a yeah. hoodie on, <laughs> and and um, yeah, there's some blokes going mental at me. I think oh, it wasn't then. Uh, I can't remember the, his name. Two powers RSM. He had alopecia. Yeah, Pete Pete Galaney. Oh. oh. That's Kate's mum. Morning. They filmed Dad's Army in Scarborough. Do you, do you, who's, who's Ian? Is that Ian? Uh, is that Ian Brewer? Do you use Timothy? Anyway, sorry. We're looking at the YouTube comments. No, um, Go on. Tresor me. So. Oh, yeah. Beard, yeah, walking oh, yeah. stick. Yeah, so beard, walking stick, cutting around camp. And then when I went out to go back to work, and I was like, oh, I've got to shave it off. So I cut all my hair off from my beard and went back to work. And I was like, I hate this. Yeah. I want my hair back. And so when they said you get a medical discharge, talking about haircuts and stuff and not, not paying for them, um, Smudge, <laughs> Smudge, who was a provo then, he was on the Bob Say team. Yeah. Um, he was like, Cheesy, you need a haircut. Come and see me at um, two o'clock. I was like, Okay. So I. But he didn't know I was going on my med board that day and already turned around to um, the colour man. I knew he was working. So... I can't remember his name now. Um, but I turned around to him and I said, right, I've got my med board today. Because he, he even told me I need a haircut. I went, yeah. tell you what. <laughs> well, after my med board, if I'm getting discharged, I'm not having a haircut. Da, 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 da. And he went, if I am, I'll shave my head. He went, yeah, I'm all right. I'm happy with that. 
And uh, <laughs> so when we made boards, they ticked all the boxes and went, right, you're being discharged. You're no longer insured to work for the army. Don't wear a uniform. Don't do anything. I was like, hey, tell me what they say. Yeah. I was like, happy days. Walked off. Went and packed all my stuff up. I took, got out my uniform and I was walking into the, the clerk's office in HQ and I walked past the property office and went, Jeezy, come here. And I was like, walked in. He went, told you to get an haircut. I just handed him this bit of paper. And he went, what's this mean? I went, means I'm being discharged, medically discharged. I'm not insured to work for the army anymore. Went, oh, well done. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then I was walking around the camp and I was doing my education courses and that. So I had a barber jacket on, beard, long hair. And I was on um, with a couple of guys from Two Para and... Uh, doing my thing walking I felt I was off the walking stick then I was walking around and a couple of blokes were going I was walking in the cookhouse no one was saying anything to me I was sitting with my brother and a couple of other guys from D Company and that and just crack on everyone was asking Who, who's that is he in Hereford what's he doing yeah. and I was walking past brigadiers and stuff and no one was saying anything to me I was just going alright <laughs> not, in, not, in, not in uniform I'm not going to salute and I'm not working I was like alright yeah. and they just carry on walking and no one, no one said a thing but I think I ruined it for a few because I think Eddie from SIGS and uh, a couple of other guys, they did tree surgery courses after went after I'd gone. Yeah, they come back with a full beard, long hair, and they went, "Take it off." We've been medically discharged. We 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 don't have to. And they went, "If you don't take it off, like we're not helping you out," kind of thing. And so oh, they were God. forced to shave their beards off. And I think it's because I was walking around. Wayne Masters was trying was going through Queen's regs to try and get me charged because <laughs> I wasn't having a shave. And um, yeah, but Tom, Tommy is, Bennett, that was it. That was a McCullough man, and he was like, "But he's not, he's not in, he's not working for the army anymore." But he's still getting a wage. I was like, "Yeah, but he's he's not working. He's not allowed to work, so you can't make him do anything." Yeah. And then he was like, "Well, he's still getting a wage. He should get charged and Queen's regs." And I was like, "I was still cutting around." And it wasn't until I was actually out and Wayne was like, "Oh yeah, that was me trying to get you done." And I was like, yeah. "All right, brilliant." I think because when you, when you're in like that, you, you know, you're still trying to be a commander and run run the show, then it rubs rubs things up the wrong way. Yeah, I, was, I suppose it, some but, some like um. Just not just um, something that brings something in the ranks. I can't remember. Dissension in the ranks. Yeah, dissension in the ranks. Like, if he's got a beard, I can have a beard. Yeah. I think it's I should have, I should have joined the Navy. Now, looking back. What's the one rank in the British Army? You have a beard. Pioneer. Like, pioneer, isn't mm. it? Yeah, Pioneer. Freddie, on, that's Freddie Croyer had a beard. Beard, beard. beard. On the 2006 tour. Did he? Yeah, I'm sure he did. Because he? he was a pioneer. It's pioneer. It was only pioneer sergeant, though. Not any pioneer. It's a pioneer sergeant. And if you go to some of the old regiments... You had a beer on... in Musicala. You've got me saying now. You had a beard in Musicala. But like, everyone did. Yeah, well, that's just the <laughs> thing. But um, like on the barracks in St. Bastion, ah. he was the only one by rank that could have a beard. So on, the, so you see some, some of them, when they're parading through the town, they still carry the axe. So they've got the apron on yeah, and an axe. And the beard is because the pioneer would do all the blacksmithing back in the days for shoes and stuff like that. And a beard protects your face from the heat of the the forge oh i didn't know that okay. so that's why that's the only reason why the pioneer sergeant can have a beard because of that job my bless that, that's that's um as i've understood it because i've read into it a bit i read a book on waterloo and i'm sure that's what they were talking about as well mm. um yeah so yeah so i then eventually got out and i sort of just let it all grow and then uh it got to a point when I was here and my hair was getting that dirty because of what I was doing. I was like, I need to cut it. It's too long to manage. So I decided to donate my hair. I would have thought you'd be a dreadlocks, man. Yeah, I, I was going to, but one of my exes, she had dreads and it ruined her hair. Like, it pulled it all out. Like, her scalp was really thin. Is it, you just dreads, right? You just let them grow out. I don't know. And these knot themselves together. Different, no. different people's hair, different people. Diff- 
different people's hair reacts in different ways. Sometimes yeah. it just mats together and it turns into a dread. Sometimes you have to, they tie them together, I think. Yeah. They tie it, just tie it in little knots and it yeah. eventually comes. So you get your symmetrical dreads. I think they're the ones that are tied together. The other ones that are just big lumps and they're all over the place. They're yeah. just the matted ones. Yeah. Um, but after seeing her hair and like with the weight of them, it pulling on the scalp, I was like, hey, it's not for me. Mm. So I stuck with my long golden locks instead. Mm. Um, look quite fetching. Thanks. I do get wolf whistled every now and then by some guys oh. until, I, <laughs> until I turn around and they see a beard and like, oh. um, yeah, I donated hair to the Little Princess Trust because it was like down to my elbow. Oh, yeah. And then sort of cutting around with a shaved head and a big beard. What's the Little Princess? Is that where they... They make wigs, real oh, hair yeah. wigs for children. So from what I've read, they got a contract in China and they take the donations that are given to them, send them out to China. They make those wigs for free. But if they ever need to buy one, they buy them from the same company. So that's yeah. the contract. So they make them for free. Yeah. But the offset allows is if they need to buy one, they buy yeah. it. I think mean, it's like 350 quid. So I raised 740 pounds, I think it was. So enough to buy three wigs. Yeah. And yeah, so I did that. And then this is like two and a half years growth now. That so, means now? Yeah. God, I thought it'd be longer. It takes ages, doesn't it? Yeah. It grows longer than, like, I've seen some people and they're like two and a half years is like there. Two years. Or some people don't grow. I think everyone's hair has got a length that it will grow to. Like, my beard will only grow to here. Really? And it won't grow any longer. Some people keep growing like Gandalf. Yeah. Although I have been known as Gandalf the Red. Gandalf the Red. Um, but, yeah, it's just everyone's just got a certain length that it will grow to. When did you start climbing? Was that when you were doing tree surgery? I don't know. Um, I've sort of climbed from when I was a child. I was kind of always into it. No, I mean, um, like proper ah, rope climbing. Like, no, I did do climbing. As okay. in, like, I go with my uncle and do bits and bobs. And I climbed every now and then when I was in the army. Like if I went home, yeah, there was a, a partner there I used to climb with. But there was nowhere really in Colchester to go. I think I went with um, Phil Q a couple of times. Got the uni. It called, it Colchester Uni, but it's yeah. poor. Yeah. And uh, me and Zach, Gunning started going to the one in Harley yeah. that I told you about. Yeah. We started going there, but it's an hour there, hour back, and it was just a mission. So it just didn't really work out uh, ultimately. Then I left because I was working in Birmingham. That's where I started left climbing more, the army. The army. Yeah. But then I start, I realised the more regularly you climb, the better you get. And I was getting hell of a lot better compared to what I used to be. And I used to climb just using my upper body as well. And then I quickly realised that if you don't start using your legs properly, that um, you ain't gonna, you won't have the endurance to carry on going up the routes. Your knees, sorry, with the climbing. Yeah, it's like kind of, it's non-impact because I'm on the on the rope. If you fall, you just kind of slam into the wall, or you're just hanging in the air. So I, I tend to do non-impact stuff now. So when I moved to Wales, I got a mountain bike, started doing mountain biking, do still do kayaking, um, do a bit of hill walking, like I said, as and when I can. Um, but yeah, with the climbing, it's fine because it's not impacted. But if I'm doing bouldering, I climb up and then climb down to the bottom of the route. Instead rather, of jumping off. Yeah, instead of jumping off. Some people, like some of them, some of the bouldering walls, they're quite really high. Yeah, the ones that I got with the girls. Yeah, really, really high. Like three times, four times the height of an average person. Yeah. It's a hell of a lot of height to, yeah, drop, to what, drop from. That's what the new running culture yeah. is like. Uh, so I'll go up and climb down. But because of my knee, if I fall awkwardly, it will go. Yeah. Like it bends inwards. So if I'm getting to the... The top of the wall and the problems that like the crooks of the problem is there i won't go for it because i know that if i fall off and i'm going to fall awkwardly yeah i'm going to injure myself so i'll just climb back down so i can't sometimes go for it whereas if i was on a rope i'd go for it because if i come off i'm still suspended by the rope so yeah i moved up here and um started actually doing the things that i've said for years that i like doing i would meet people and go yeah i climb i do this i do that 
I'd literally do it like two, three times a year. Whereas now I'm doing it all the time. It might not be that same thing all the time, but so the horse riding was a thing I was getting invested in or into. And I'll take my mountain bike up there. I'll go riding with the dogs and or when it snows here, I just get my snowboard out on my skis and I'll just go up on a hill. Mm. I went to Morzine at Christmas because I could, or was it? Yeah, I've traveled out there at Christmas, drove out, and then I camped in Morzine. Is it what I told you this? Morzine. 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 Yeah, in, a, in the Alps. Ah. It's a ski resort. So because of the accommodation with the dogs, it's like 1,700 quid for 10 days. I was like, I can't afford to pay that. I'm a pensioner. So I, I I drove out in my truck, loaded my truck up, I had my skis, my snowboard, yeah. tent, everything. I bought a tent. Like the um, that truck? Yeah. The animal. So I, I bought a tent, a, deep, a proper four-season tent, and I went out there, found a free car park, tabbed up the hill for half an hour. I was going up to my knees in snow. I was hanging. I had a burger on my back, two dogs, dog food. Oh, no, dog food was in the, the car. Tab up the top, set up my tent, and then that was me. Every night I'd walk half an hour up the hill and then go snowboarding. And I was going to the bar and people were like, oh, where are you staying? I'm like, up on that hill in the tent. You're like, you're mental. I think the coldest it was there was like, uh, minus 11 one night. Was it just fully, so you fully snowed out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, yeah. Pitched in the snow? Yeah. But the dogs? Dogs are in the tent with me. And then when I go, I'd, so dogs are allowed on this, the car, the cable car lift. Yeah. So I take them up there and I'll do a run or two with the, with dogs. the dogs in the morning. So they get a run. And so I got a video of them um, following me on my Instagram and they're following me down the slope. And so I do that, put them in the car in the back bit with the windows open and that food and water there. And they had coats on. I had to make Willow a coat as well. Just just like, no, no, just bought some material and sewed it up and made a coat to go over. So give her a coat and then I go out, do like seven, six hours snowboarding, come back in, get the dogs for the last run get the last car up to the top and I'd wait there a bit so there was less people. This is the other reason I did it yeah, yeah. early and late. And then uh, board back down with the dogs and that'll be there. And then I'll take them to the bar then, go apres ski and sort of <laughs> the calf and people will start talking to me. Got talking to the manager of one of the calves there and he was like, where are you staying? So I got him waxing my board. I was like, oh, just in a tent up there. And he's like, you're all crazy. He went, come stay at my place and stay at my mom's house. And I went, nah, that's all right. I've got two, two dogs. He went, oh, I've got two cats i don't know if they'll be able to come in the house yeah. i went that's right i'll stay in the tent but um i was like do you like whiskey he's like yeah i went i got some whiskey in the car so when i got me a bottle of whiskey so i didn't pay for me waxing in my board so i just give him some whiskey and then he started giving me his whiskey and every night we're just drinking whiskey together and he's like if i go there next time i think he'll remember me for all that mental person that was sleeping <laughs> on the hill but it was an adventure it was it was um yeah, it was a good trip uh I'd, but i had to cut it short because i thought i was going to be on I was coming back to do Game of Thrones because I thought I was been selected for that. Oh, the extras were. Yeah. yeah, so I started doing extra because I've got the spare time. I've registered with a few extras agencies, so I thought right, I've got to be back for this because I got this whole plan set out for. I had to do twenty days filming in Northern Ireland. Yeah, and so I had to get someone to look after the dogs for those periods, and I was trying to sort it all out. As it turns out, I didn't make the final cut, so I didn't get selected for that one. But that was part of the reason why I come back early was I could have stayed out there mm. and done a bit more boarding. Uh. So yeah, I come back, and after that, I think I did I go away. Oh no, that, that's when it started snowing then, and so it started snowing here, and so I started getting the snowboard out and going up on the hills here. Yeah, and doing that. Yeah. Oh really? No. Um, when when the beast from the east hit, I was up in Scotland then at the horse riding charity, uh. and I decided to go up a mountain because because I've been saying for months, a year, I was going to go up this hill called Morven, mm-hmm. which is like the nearest mountain to the 
the riding centre. So I was like, right, I'll go up there. And uh, I went up, got hit by two snowstorms, minus nine. My beard froze. <laughs> the willow had like ice balls on her fur and Meg's face had frozen. And it was, it was a, an adventure. Uh, my camera froze, actually. It was that cold. <laughs> I'll just go and do stuff like that. It's just. It's, it's one of those. As soon as you. Um... You're lucky in that you've made you you got that, you've got that personality anyway, anyway where you 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 know what you want what works and that disconnect from normal cultural and society. Okay, for, for me, it's like um, something I've been saying quite a lot: life's for living. And although I used to think I was quite adventurous before, now it's if I see something I like doing, I'll go and do it. So, a friend of mine bought a yacht in October. She's going to fix it up, so I'm going to help her fix it up as best I can. She wants to sail it around from North Wales, around the coast to Norfolk, and then across to Norway. I was like, I'll do that with you. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, I better learn how to sail. And then this thing popped up on, I get emails through for Help for Heroes or Band of Brothers. Band of Brothers is like an affiliated organization with yeah. Help for Heroes or Band of Sisters as well. Got an email through um, saying two, uh, two or three day regatta with uh, Turn to Starboard. And I was like, I'll do that. So quite fine. I need to learn how to sail. And I didn't want to pay for it. So I was like, if I go there, I'll do learn the basics. Yeah. And then from that, I can just go and help her just crew. So I went down to Gosport, uh, or just just the Gosport Portsmouth Estuary. And I was uh, there and I did two days and yeah, I got hooked. So I started going down, returned to Starboard a bit more, started doing the racing, did round the island race and Cow's Week. And then I got another race in two weeks from Cow's to Pool yeah. and then back the next day. Uh, but through the charity, you can get uh, your sailing qualifications, mm-hmm. so like your day skipper course, uh, competent crew, and eventually, if you commit to a program there, you can get your yacht masters program, which is an overview then to skipper and charter yachts. I believe a pro- proper proper Happy like you are a skipper, you can go. I think like do boat deliveries and sort all that sort of stuff. So that's the sort of gear that guys like on a recovery step. I mean, lots of people have gone through it and done it, uh, and it's started out in Falmouth. And they've just expanded to Gosport now. Hmm. So I've been going down there a lot in the past couple of months help, or doing bits down there. They had a regatta recently, which um, through Project RV, which is something else I got involved in, um, through, I met a, a bootneck there who's being discharged. So mm-hmm. I got him down to that regatta because he's only he was based over the water in, in Portsmouth. Yeah, And he brought along three other bootnecks that I think were in the same boat as him. No pun include, intended. Included. Um, and they, they come over and I think they had a good time by all accounts, but they're still going through the discharge. So it's like com- committing time and I think they're still in. Yeah. But they were able to get away and do this. And yeah, I think, I don't know if they're going to take it any further, but through meeting, through the Project RV thing, I'm meeting loads of blokes. There's a bloke I've met in, who was in Free Power Motors, and I'll go climbing with him loads now when I go down to Portsmouth or mm-hmm. Gosport, just because it's the local client, Baldwin Hangar. He's good. But he, he actually works with Ben Jones. He got out in 2009. He looks like um, Simon in Demolition Man now. Wesley Snipes. He's not, he's not black, but he's dyed his hair blonde. Looks like a pineapple. He doesn't look like anything like him. Yeah, apart from he's got blonde hair. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he, because he actually climbs for the same company, or works for the same company I work for in the tree surgery business. They got like nine depots throughout the country, and he works for the one down Portsmouth. Uh... Um, which I found out talking over a campfire at the Project RV thing. I think that was when we did the um, the first time I went down there. Oh, no, it might have been the yeah, no, first time I went down there. First time I went down there, we just did some abseiling uh, down 
Dennis Rock, which is down mm. near where, where they make the whiskey, the Welsh whiskey. Yeah. Penderyn. Yeah. Uh, Dennis Rock there, did some abseiling down there on a Sunday, but on the Saturday we just did some caving. Just went into some of the local caves because Brecon, it's like waterfall country and there's loads of stuff. So I did that. Next time we went down there, we did the pony trek, which was really good. Sean had a blast. Sean mm-hmm. Bowers. Mm-hmm. Uh, that and sort of video. That was, yeah, that was like three hours on a horse, <clears throat> which was quite an ask. And Sean was obviously the butt of the jokes everywhere because everywhere the horse, Sean was like, he was holding on to the, holding on to the reins. He had a death grip. Um, but like the horse would stop for a drink, but the horse was like leaning down a bank in the water and he was having to lean back as far as he could. Just to try and stay in the saddle, it was just physically though. Sh- what, what short physically? Sean's can he? What's his range of motion? Like, can he move? Can he walk? He, right? he can, can like. So he still smokes. So he can he can, can hold a tag and he can do that. Um, I think he feeds himself. He can do stuff, but like he, he can't walk unaided. He can walk, but I think this is. So I didn't go to the first project RV, but they're saying that his progression has come on massively from mm. when he first went because the blokes being the blokes they're just like they're just getting mm. you seen the video of him of john yeah. bream throwing him in the water uh i think no i've seen him in the canoe no oh, no yeah, that, that that was a different he, he didn't intend to go in he, they fell in yeah but um yeah they were stood at the water's edge and he was like i can't swim and they went yeah right and they just threw him in <laughs> points he ate on and that and his glasses he goes right under the water comes back up and there's two people in the water to get him yeah. But no care is going to do that. They wouldn't do that, and they just. <laughs> but because because of the way they are, they treat him. They don't like molly cuddle him or anything. They're like just just get in there and do it. Yeah. And I think he's he's progressed a lot more. He's walking more now than he used to. So so I'm told. Um, and he's probably happy, isn't it? Yeah. When yeah. when we did he was the, out the loop for a long time. Yeah. He's, I think it's good for him to meet with it. Which it's not just good for him. Like with the whole project RV thing, it's like whether you're in serving veteran, injured, whatever, you still turn up and you just turn up and shoot the shit mm. i met a guy who, from barmouth for boot neck up there and we've been climbing and just intending on meeting up a bit more regular mm. to go and do some stuff because mm. it's just getting to, the problem we're living in rural wales is it's not like you just go to the local well i don't really go to clubs anyway but it's hard to meet people basically yeah. where i live anyway the only footpath that walk past me is just groups of old people doing some hill walking and stuff or dv and generally yeah. uh, so yeah, it's just I use do a bit of like Instagram is really good for me for meeting new people, talking to people. Because like, I suppose because you you gone about networking, I do it for a different reason. I don't do it for work. I do it for activities. Yeah. So living in North Wales, you just look at the, ha- the hashtag North Wales thing. People start following you, and then they're climbing, and you're climbing or mountain biking, whatever. You just start meeting up and go do something with it, and like problem for me, like I say, I moved up here. I've got no family. I didn't know anyone when I decide on moving to north wales i looked for corwin in 30 mile radius and i just started looking for a detached house why corwin because that was like the sort of i didn't want to go too far into snowden yeah so 30 miles outside of there seems a decent so it could be anywhere so it's going all as far east as wrexham yeah and as far west as like um not not quite couple kerrig but just past bettis yeah and i'll just put in detached house two to three bedrooms up to 90 grand and then just see what come up. You know, like that one, don't like that one, don't like that one. Wales places are awesome, aren't they? Yeah. Wales places well, are awesome. It's, it's a renovation project, but I saw this place. And I come up, and then when I was walking up the track, I was like, this is amazing. And I got here and walked around. looked a lot better than it does now, because I've since started renovating it, and I'll now decide I'm going to do a lot more to it. Yeah. I knock it down and rebuild it. That's the plan. Um, but I was like, this is great. So I was like, right, I'm going to go to the auction. 
So I took a day off work or the afternoon off work, drove to the auction straight from work. Bidding started. There was a house there, six bedroom farmhouse in Shropshire with a couple acres of land. It went for 95 grand. Jesus Christ. It was massive. Um, I, was, I was like, well, if I had another five grand, I would have bid for that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, my the one I got was the last one in the lot. Well, lot, lot. Lot, yeah. Um, was the last one. And I was like, right, okay, this is me. So, and I'd give myself a bracket of 70 to 80 grand. So I'd add a bit of overspill. And I think the bidding started at 40. I was like, oh, I could be quids in here. And started going up and up and up. Got to 17. It started slowing down then. I was like, right, this is my ballpark. So we're going up in 500 increments. And then got to 77 grand and no one was doing anything. I was like, no one ever cheese, no one ever put my hand up. And they were like, yeah, fresh blood or new money at the back, whatever. Everyone turned around and looked at me. And I'll just come from work, beard, hair. I think I had a, an Iron Cross t-shirt on. And they just like turned around, carried on looking at the front. and went, anyone else? No, two, three, and it's... And I won, I was like, oh shit, I just spent 77 and a half grand. And I was like, oh, <laughs> like the most money I've ever spent ever. And I was like, oh no. And then I got <laughs> I got my keys, like the, the paperwork went through. I don't know if it's just the case of auctions, but when all the paperwork was through and done in, within a month. Huh? So I got my keys in a month and I was come back up here. So it's all about it, you go, isn't yeah. it? Really come back no up chance. here, got my keys, and then that's when I started doing the, the bits. But my first night I slept here, one of my mates from Birmingham, who, who was a builder and a guy who I climbed with. Yeah. He come up for a night and we went down to the pub, got mashed, ended up walking back drunk. He dropped his backy on the road, but he didn't realise until he got up here. And it's like 400 metres down. He's like, oh, and he, oh, because it's dark as well. He walked into the stream <laughs> down the bottom. So he got wet feet, lost his backy. I was like, right, I'll go get your backy. We went down, found it on the road, walked back up, woke up in the morning. He's like, where are the keys? He's like, what keys? I went, the keys for the front door. He went, I don't know. Well, I'd lost the keys. First night there, I'd lost the keys for the house. So... It was a Sunday and I had to wait for the locksmith to come out because I wasn't going to call him out on a Sunday. And I had to basically just wait there Sunday and Monday for him to come and sort my locks out. And then I went to work. But my first night there, slept on the floor in front of the fire and I lost my keys. And I, I found them like two years later. Two years later? Two years later. I think while I was drunk in my head, I was like, I'll put them under the carpet for safekeeping. I don't know. what. But the, there, was a, there was a bunch of keys under the carpet and I was like, I've been walking up these stairs for like two years. How have I not found them? And they were just like stuffed in the corner. So, yeah. Um, that was an event. Um, but I kind of just take every day as it comes, really. Like, just different things come up. Like, I got a wedding this weekend in Ireland, so I've got to get over there, get the ferry. I'm going to think I'm going to camp because of the budget and stuff like that. And, like, you say that money, mate. You're not attached to anything. Yeah. You don't, you know, you don't have credit or anything. You don't, you, and I said earlier, it's a cultural thing, sort of, but it's encouraged to have that because. It makes people money. Like you know, having a credit card, it makes other people money. Um, it's not the greatest way to go. I guess if you, if you ties you down, ties you down. You know, um, and when you like, you, like you found out how when you leave frugally, not say so you, not say so you're not enjoying, but when you live frugally, you, you buy what you need to buy. That gives you more opportunity to spend money on the things that make yeah. you happy. I think enjoy. like so, my mom's worked full time ever since I can remember. I've been telling her for years to go, since I've started doing it, or since I've thought about doing it, to go part-time. Even just like, even if you just do a four-day week instead of a three-day week, uh, a five-day week, you get a three-day weekend or whatever. And like, or if you get a job that does four on, four off. Yeah. Essentially, if you take off four days, you've got 12 days off then. You can go and do something. Mm. And for me, time off and to, to be able to do what I want to do is more important than earning more money. The it's, problem is that as you go through life, you, what, what you end up establishing is a, 
a, a lifestyle where you're not able to time off because you have to work the days to earn yeah. the money. The other thing that I do understand is I don't have any children or anything else to mm. support. So I literally do support myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do understand that that's quite a hard thing. Uh, but I've always been good for saving money. So that's like when I got back from Afghanistan, I had 40 grand. Mm-hmm. So it's not like I've just, I'd still used to go out and party. I used to go out and party with everyone. But I still would have, I'd put some money aside at the end of mm-hmm. every month or whatever. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm not saying don't go out and do anything. But no, um, I agree with what you're saying. But it's just, do you need to go out every night? And that's it was because we're in the army anyway. It's a drink, drinking culture. And I used to go out like some some weeks every night apart from Wednesday because Wednesday was just crap. Yeah. And Blake's would walk past my window because I was on the bottom floor on the last wing going out of camp. They go, oh, "Are you coming out?" I'm like, yeah. yeah. So I was just inside playing the Xbox, like playing Halo or Gears of War or something like that. And just yeah. loads, like, like you, you touched on this with Stu, didn't you? About um, when you we hooked up all the Xboxes in the top floor of D Company yeah, yeah. and just playing Halo. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just not not quite that. That was before the internet, wasn't it? I was in before you could get online and play internet. I don't think Halo you could play online then, could you? Yeah, it was an online game. Was it the first one on Xbox One? I think it was. Oh, I can't remember. I can't remember. Um, can't remember. But yeah, so just doing that, and when I was injured, I ended up with a vitamin D deficiency because I couldn't walk outside for more than five minutes because all the blood would flow to my foot, and I'd just be in rag. Mm. Uh, spent most of the time lying on my bed playing my Xbox. I did loads of pull-ups. I, was, I got to like 300 pull-ups in a day. Do and um, ended up getting some ankle weights to try and slow me down. But I ended up still doing the same. But mm. that was the only fitness I could do because I was on the crutches. The rest of the time, I was just playing the Xbox or watching TV or whatever. And I was white, pale. I was. Mm. Um, yeah, vitamin D deficiency. And I realised then how much time I actually spent online playing. This mm. was just online, running around shooting, not waiting for a game to load. I think Halo was like a week and a half. Mm-hmm. And then another game was like two weeks and two. Yeah. And it's like, I spent like eight months of my life online. So after I said to myself, once I get better and I can walk again and start doing stuff, I'm not playing it. So I don't have a console, don't have a TV, and I'll just do stuff now. Things that I think are a bit more productive. It's a good way to live, mate. Yeah. Enjoying it. Uh, we're on an hour and a half. We're going to knock us on the head. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, thank you. In fact, Anything you want to plug? Anything you want to mention at the end of this now? Just um, mainly the charities that I've been working with, really. So, same again. Horseback UK, charity in a Boyne near in Aberdeen. It's a long way to travel, but it's well worth the trip if you're suffering from PTSD or anxiety issues. They do it with civvies as well, don't they? They do. Um, they've got a racing welfare element yeah. to it. So pe- jockeys that used to, or people who used to help with racehorses and stuff. Yeah. And then um, I think they do, work, they do, do work with um, disengaged children, mm-hmm. so like naughty kids up in Scotland so they do work with that and then um, ex-professional rugby players as well they're all okay. rugby players they do work with them and yeah. not entirely sure because I haven't been there I haven't been around that work um, so they're really good that's a really good charity and if you are struggling it's just, just a phone call away contact them send them an email or something mm-hmm. um, they've got a Facebook page website and mm-hmm. Instagram mm-hmm. and then uh, turn to starboard as well that's yeah. another thing I'll start going into and similar thing but it's on boats not on horses yeah and same thing, Instagram, Facebook, and they've got a website as well. And their office is in Falmouth and Gosport. They're both really good charities um, that I've worked with and I've seen that it does make a difference to a lot of people. Project RV. Oh, yeah, and Project RV um, as well. That So obviously that's 
Power Reds, well, not obviously, because not everyone knows, but it's Power Reds and Marines yeah. orientated to whether you're serving or X or whatever. If you want to go meet up with the blokes, just have a good time on a weekend in Brecon or wherever it is they're going. I think the next thing they've got organised is all planning on something in September. Okay. There's a WhatsApp group, um, but there's also Instagram page. I don't know about Facebook because I come off of there. Ah, they're on Facebook, yeah. I come off Facebook mm. beginning of the year. You're on Instagram, aren't you? I am on Instagram. Treebeard UK. Treebeard UK, yeah. You smash it. Um, smash. You smash Instagram. Is it? But that's oh. on there. Oh, yeah, but that's because I don't use Facebook. UK. So, um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cheers, Cheesy. Cheers. Let's go do some archery, mate. Yeah, man. A knife row. That's it, H plus 14 finish with Michael Royal. As I mentioned on the show, um, follow him on Instagram. He's got an interesting Instagram account. Quite prolific on there. Look at his uh, golden locks and his fine, fine ginger beard. Tree Beard UK, he's on Instagram. And um, check out all the charities and the organisations he mentioned. All good people are going to do things as per usual. Until the next time, out. <laughs>